You're listening to the Google Ads Podcast, brought to you by Solutions 8, the Google Ads agency. Welcome to Daily Google News. Today, I'm joined by two of my favorite people who, interestingly, followed a very similar career track in a lot of ways. Regina and Caden were both client managers that became strategists. And if you're joining us, having not already understood the construct of Solutions 8, we manage all of our accounts in what I'm going to call a trifecta or more or less a triangle. Is there a better word for that? No, I'd agree with that. I think it's pretty accurate. Yeah. So you have the client manager who's connected to the client and then guards the specialist who's managing the accounts. And then sitting on top of the dynamic duo is the head of the team, basically, which is the strategist. And you're both now in the strategy role, which is as high as you can go as far as the work that we're doing, the implementation. I mean, triple PhD, you got to be as good as anybody could possibly be at Google Ads. So you guys are maybe the smartest people in the world. If only. (laughs) (laughs) So here's the conversation that I wanted to have. Most of our strategists came either from our specialist team or from our education track. Having come from the client management track is more difficult because the client managers aren't really expected to know Google Ads that well. What I tell a new client manager is I want you to be able to answer two layers of questions. Question layer number one is generally pretty easy. It's like the computer on type of thing. Question layer number two might be the beginning of thought leadership. And then after that, you get to throw your hands up and say, you know what? I'm not a strategist. Let me go check with my team. But both of you ended up really doing deep dives. And in having done so, I think learned quite a bit more than most people are ever going to know about Google Ads. So what I'd like to do is maybe equip our potential clients with how to work with us, but then also half of our subscribers are agencies. So maybe help agencies learn and understand how to manage clients a little bit better. I think that'd be a worthy endeavor and or initiative. So the topic today, if you two agree, is going to be what we learned as client managers, good and bad. And I'd be mostly interested in the bad. I think that that makes for way better listening. So anybody have anything specifically they want to lob into the center of the conversation? I feel like the... I feel like the number one thing is just trying to figure out what the client's personality is, I would say, with probably the biggest thing, because it's very, very different. People have different KPIs they focus on, different types of personalities, meaning that some people are more hands off and you have to get a little bit more pushy to say, okay, like, hey, I want this, like, this is something that we need to figure out. And so they'll be like that. And they have a lot of other stuff they're doing and trying to build up the company itself. And so they don't really have as much time to focus on communicating back and forth. So that's a barrier. And then on the other side of that, you have certain clients that treat you more like you're like an in-house person. And so you have to sort of... (laughs) (laughs) I'm so glad you're here and you have all eight hours just for me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there's a little bit of that both that kind of goes in. I found though that, I mean, pretty much all my clients, I don't think I've ever ran into the issue of them thinking that I'm in-house. The sales team has been really, really good at doing that. But yeah, I would say just personalities would probably be a really good topic to talk about just because that's essentially majority of client managers role is trying to figure out like who's who (laughs) in the relationship and trying to get a field of where are we playing from versus just doing standard SOPs. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of politics in a really weird way. Yeah. You're, You're an ambassador. And you've got whatever it is, 20 to 30 different miniature countries that you're the ambassador for. (laughs) What a really good point that is. Regina, any input on that, managing the personalities? Yeah, I think the clients that treat you in-house oftentimes will ask you to make changes inside the account. As a client manager, you don't have to know how to make the changes. You don't have to recommend what they do instead right then and there. But you do have to know enough to say like, okay, or let me get check with my team on that. Because in the moment with that client, they're going to want to know, are they going to get the thing that they want done? Or is it a bad idea? (laughs) 
So you have to yeah. know enough to say no. So what an interesting point that is. I think it's more important <laughs> to know when to say no than it is to know how to do the work. And this is maybe a pro tip for the agencies that are watching. If a client is driving the strategy, fire that client, even if they're good. And you can't have two chefs in the kitchen and a client that's driving the strategy, you're not bringing any value to that person. We actually just lost a client recently, Regina, it was yours. And it was a dude that we all really liked. He was a good guy. It was an interesting product, but he was way too hands-on and it interrupted our entire process. It stressed everybody else out. And I think the most important thing and the reason that I would say fire the client is we can't be held accountable to the results. He kept saying, do it this way. And we're like, all right, but then this way would result in something that he wouldn't want. And we'd have to say, you told us to do this. And now he's actually in a really defensible position to say, why didn't you stop me? So I think we get to tell the clients one time, hey, we need to drive the strategy or this is a no-go. And that's exactly what we told this gentleman. Hey, you need somebody in-house. And he agreed. And we parted his friends and we're all on really good terms. But I'd say rule number one that we've learned, and we've learned this hard, and I think we continue to learn it is the thing that sort of sucks, is if the client is driving the strategy, then it's a lose-lose for the agency no matter what. Absolutely. Yeah. I learned that from John Moran when I first, when I was first hired for years, I had my own freelance clients and I would make compromises here and there and do things their way. What I learned from John Moran is if you're going to do things someone else's way, you need to make it very clear that they're in control at this point forward. And if things go bad, it's not on you because otherwise, yeah, you're not doing your job. Basically they're hiring you to do the best that can be done inside their account. And you're not doing that if you're making compromises and doing things the way you wouldn't do them. So 100%. Yeah. It's almost like we're hiring somebody to blame if this goes wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I have an idea, but I'm going to pay you to, to take the bullets if anything goes horribly wrong, which it's always funny for me. Anytime you're dealing with like a director of marketing, because anything that happens, it's good. They take credit for And then anything that happens, it's bad. We get blamed for. And it's only so many times before you, you start to see the writing on the wall there too. We've just been hired as the whipping boys. Yeah. I think that comes down to just like the initial, and I feel like it's the most important time is like the initial, because that sort of sets the field going forward. Like I've had clients that come off, like, I don't know, like kind of like testing me to see mm -hmm. like, okay, do you really know? Cause I look young. And so there's sort of like that already taken into account. And so that's one of those things that I used to work for another agency prior. And I was more of the specialist and client manager. And so I learned a lot up front. And so I could essentially challenge the client on certain things. And I feel like that's really important as a client manager is to take some time out to be proactive, to learn the ins and outs of Google to the point further than your, I guess your role is. So then you can better assist the, the client to better explain things in a more clear way. One thing that I found that really helped with that is using metaphors. I think that that's probably one of my number one things when it comes to describing things so people can understand it is, yeah, using metaphors as much as possible. And that's been probably the biggest thing that's helped me essentially, number one, explain to the client the information, but also allow them to see my thought process with going over accounts. And that, yeah, I would say that would probably be my number one tip. John might be the best metaphorer that I've ever known. He does that exact same thing, Caden. There's, you know, yeah. that, that whole mantra, if you can't explain it simply, you don't understand it well enough. A metaphor is maybe the simplest way to understand or to explain anything. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Do you use the uh, taking the algorithm to the gym metaphor? I've used that like <laughs> a thousand times. <laughs> no, but I'm curious though. I'm curious. I'll maybe ask about it later. We'll go over it. Yeah, no, cause... give us a soundbite now, Regina. What's the metaphor? <laughs> so, you know, John's stair-step method, right? Oh, yeah. Where we push the algorithm uh, higher and higher. And there's kind of, there's different ways to go about it. For example, one of the ways might be you overpace for the first half of the month, right? You would pace faster than your budget, slightly faster 
don't spend the whole budget in half the month, but slightly faster, maybe 20% faster for the first two weeks, that's going to push the algorithm to like go out into new territories, look for new pockets of the market, look for maybe try out some new products or some new keywords that it hasn't really dealt with before. So new stuff. Then after you give it some time, you slap on some restrictions. You say, okay, great. I'm glad you can spend all that money. Now I want you to spend the money, but make me X returns. So you add like a target ROAS. This causes clients to freak out. All of it causes clients to freak out. They're like, why can't you just give me consistent sales? Why are you overpacing? You're spending too much budget. Why did all the sales stop? I don't have any money coming in. And so it's just constant chaos. So I use this gym metaphor to try to get clients comfortable with the chaos. It's the best way to sum up this stair step method in a soundbite where they're like, okay, I'm listening. It's like, we're taking the algorithm to the gym. We cannot just spend money forever and hope that your business grows. We have to force it to do hard things. So for the first half of the month, we're making it do hard things by making it spend more. In the second half of the month, we're making it do hard things by forcing it to get us that return or that target CPA or whatever it is. There's two different, it's like you're building arm muscle in the first half of the month and leg muscle in the second half of the month. So I've used that exact same metaphor in a really similar way. I always talk about bulking up and cutting in, which is exactly what you're doing algorithmically. It's like you can't put on weight and cut at the same time. So you're going to bulk oh, that's up better than arms and legs. I, I'm going to use that. <laughs> yeah. Well, the gym, the gym metaphor was yours, but I, I really like that. I want to go back to something that Caden said, because I, I love the metaphor idea. And I think dropping a bunch of metaphors is great. So if y'all are thinking of them, let's keep those going. But I want to go back to the first month, because if we're talking to agencies, that's such a critical soundbite. That first month, it sets the pace for the entire rest of the relationship. And if you just sit there being an order taker, not pushing back, here's what's really weird. You have to protect the client from themselves. And that means coaching them and pushing back on horrible ideas and letting them know, hey, these are the things that we have to do and why. And if you can do that in the first month, it really kind of, I'm not trying to refer to our clients disrespectfully. You get in a rhythm. Think, yeah. Better way to say it, Caden. Thank you. It puts us in a rhythm and it sort of lets them know, because here's the other thing, they're giving us their money. Like if I'm giving somebody my money to spend on my behalf, you bet your ass I'm going to go test them, vet them, make sure that they know what the hell they're doing, check in on them, be neurotic and nervous and, and all those things. And so You have to step up, earn their trust, and then also take the lead. We have to drive. And I feel like so many agencies don't drive. And if you don't start out driving, wrestling the driver's seat away from somebody is not to push the metaphor, but it's a recipe for a crash. It's true. No, it's definitely true. It's hard to win it back once you've already lost it. I want to say the only thing that's really helped in those instances is essentially changing the person. Yeah. And that's really it. <laughs> Dude, that's funny. So this speaks to some of the mistakes that we've made. And actually, this is, if y'all don't mind, this is how I want to spend our last five minutes. Let's throw our skunks on the table. Let's bring up all the biggest mistakes that we've made and what we learned from them. But one of the mistakes that I can tell you that we've made is we spend so much time under the hood that we always forget to like lift up and tell the client like, hey, by the way, we're swapping out the transmission. And so we're under the hood and, and we're working as hard as we can possibly work. And our team is like stretched to the absolute max and we're doing the best things that anybody can ever do, but the client doesn't know. And I actually have a video recorded with Steve. I think his last name is Liberati. I might've gotten that wrong, but he sent me a message saying, hey man, kind of WTF. And when I dug into his account, we were doing everything right across the board. And then his response to me was, well, yeah, but I didn't know that. Nobody told me. And then to the point that Ken just made, all we do sometimes, like we had a situation where the campaign was running in a way that the client didn't like, and we switched the client manager, kept the strategy the same, and they were fine. So it was just this, we didn't take control from the beginning. So putting a new person into it kind of fixed that. Yeah. It's about that trust. So who wants to confess to their mistakes first? (laughs) 
trying to think of a, of a good one. I would say probably like a lot of people like to know exact results. They like to predict. And I always like to think of Google as like the creative stock market where it's like, you know, that this is likely going to happen, but you don't know if it's going to happen. <laughs> so it's all like percentage base. Because I mean, at the end of the day, it's there's people and when people are involved, you don't know what's going to happen. And so I would say the biggest thing, and I've done this before, like I said, I learned it right away because it blew up in my face. It was actually at a previous agency where I tried to predict what was going to happen mm-hmm. and then tell the client, okay, this is going to happen because they were trying to get me to say, well, what's going to happen? And then we didn't meet goal. And it was one of those things where it's like, oh no, like I already dug myself into this hole. Even as hard as someone pushes you to try to predict, okay, this is like the exact rows we're going to get. Never go down that. Always put red flags in the air kind of thing where it's like, I don't know if this is going to 100% happen because then obviously you put yourself in a very bad situation. So I like to under promise, <laughs> overperform is sort of the rule I try to live by as much as I can. Dude, I love the creative stock market. That's Did you make that up? I think so. You got to go <laughs> go buy that domain name right now, Kate. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. That's like such a great coaching program, but you need to own it. So go just- <laughs> The creative stock market. Okay. No, really. That's, that's freaking brilliant. And the point about clients and prospects are always pressing us. Well, is it going to work? And my favorite line is, if I knew that, I'd be way wealthier. Like I'd yeah. have so much more money. So we sell to this, but I think you have to manage to it too. I have no idea. And then I'm going to add something to the back end of that. This is something I learned from John as well. I used to, when a campaign didn't perform, I was always so nervous to hop on with the client and tell him. And if you're ever with John, he's like, oh, hey, this didn't work. Like for him, it's like, we did everything we could have done. And I'm now showing you what the organic ecosystem brought back for your business. And the thing that he does better than anybody is he explains why he thinks it didn't work. Hey, this didn't work. Your average order value is just too low to support the cost of the traffic here. But there's just way too many competitors in this space. Or, you know, whatever. Like he'll come back with a why. But I used to take ownership and accountability for stuff that I had no influence over. So that was always, that would put you in kind of a shady spot. Regina? I think John Moran, when he has those conversations with clients, by then he's already built a bunch of rapport. There's stuff that he does. Yeah. I learned so much from him when I first started working under John, when I was first hired here. I had been doing client management forever. When clients would start to get neurotic and start emailing me several times a day, my modus operandi was to slow down my responses, kind of ice them out or ask them, tell them what to Google to find the answer, like in a polite way. But I would think that if I gave them a cookie, they would just ask for everything else, right? Whatever that <laughs> mouse metaphor is. You give, you give a client a cookie? Sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's not, John was like, Regina, you got to mash their energy, right? If they're emailing you three times a day, email them four times. If they want to hop on a call, just immediately, like they're upset, you're upset. And it, it's so true. Like clients just want to know that their emotions, that you care, right? About their business. So yeah. that was a major mistake that I made when I first came here. It was just that strategy. I totally switched gears and now I'm able to gain trust. And when those hard conversations happen later, like, hey, the campaigns aren't working, you need to make changes in your business. They don't blow up at me because they trust that I care and I'm doing everything I can to try to make it work. So this is going to get soapboxy a little bit, but I think it's important. I've actually thought this about employees. I was having this conversation with a close friend of mine and the genesis of the conversation was how do you make your staff, your team feel valued? And it was a long conversation. And the answer that we got to at the end was to value them because there's the difference It's Stephen Covey's discussion on character ethic versus personality ethic. Personality ethic says, I want the degree. Character ethic says, I want the knowledge that would come with getting a degree. And they seem like the same thing, but they're very, 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 very different. So if you want somebody to feel valued, 
trying to make them feel valued is actually a recipe for making them feel kind of like, it's like, oh, I'm going to smile at them and I'm going to make eye contact. I'm going to shake their hand. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, no, none of yeah. that. How about you just think about all the ways and reasons that you actually truly value this person? And then they're going to feel by proxy, if they have any level of empathy and you're doing it properly, they're going to feel valued. I feel that way about clients. Like we actually have to freaking care. When the minute we start to care, the clients are like, oh, and I've heard that from people, even when it's gone poorly, like, you know what? I can tell you all care. And here's somebody who lost money. They're, they're keeping track with chips. And that's one of the chips. It's not all of them. And it's not even the most important one yet. I think competence comes before caring, but I think that they're both really important. Yeah. Caring about clients. And then the thing that I want to say to agencies, if you're, if you're watching this, don't sell a service you don't know how to do. So many freaking people take a weekend course and run in traffic and Google's harder than other ones. So, but even Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, whatever, you have to be competent. And if you ever get a knot in your stomach, when somebody asks you a question, that's a really good sign, physiologically speaking, that you don't know what the hell you're talking about. Go get really, 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 really damn good at the thing that you're selling first, because it's not enough to care. You actually have to be competent. We need another C, caring, competence, consistency. (laughs) (laughs) The opposite of Google. (laughs) The opposite of Google. That's exactly right. Yeah. I think we found our time, right? Caden, you've got to jump. Yeah. I have a meeting that I got to go to. All right. Well, there it is. Pro tips on being a good client manager. I appreciate you all hopping on these calls and let me run them a little ad hoc. I know that there wasn't much going into it, but I felt like we got a lot of value out of it. Thanks for listening to the Google Ads podcast. For more ways to grow your business with Google Ads, you can subscribe to the Solutions 8 YouTube channel. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. And if you'd like to work with the best Google Ads agency in the world, you can visit Solutions 8 at sol8.com. Custom here. If you're running Google Ads, even if your campaigns are successful, my years of experience have taught me that there are almost always enormous improvement opportunities. Now, what if the best Google Ads agency in the world was willing to review your Google Ads campaigns for free and provide you with a comprehensive action plan, no cost or obligation? Notice, I didn't say audit or evaluation. I said action plan, a bullet point by bullet point breakdown of exactly what needs to be done to improve your Google Ads campaigns. Yours to keep, no cost or obligation. Head over to solate.com to get a free Google Ads action plan customized for your business. No strings attached. That's sol8.com. S-O-L, the number eight, dot com.